And uh, I just want to start, uh, I want to show you a little picture here. So this comes from uh, back in the mid-90s. Check this out. This is the Caledonia High School Fighting Scots sophomore football team. And uh, you're going, where is he? Where is he? Let me help you out. That's me, okay, right there in the back. Yeah, so I got to tell you a story about a, a particular game and a particular play, okay? It was a home game. It was a close game. This play happened about midfield. And uh, this might surprise you, but I actually played, okay? Like I was on the field. Uh, I actually started both ways, okay? I was a defensive end and I was the center. And I know you're going like, wow, you must have been a lot bigger back then. No, no. <laughs> I didn't say I was good. I said I started, okay. So uh, this was a passing play, and we had the ball. And so my job, hike the ball to the quarterback and then protect the quarterback, you know, like pass, pass, protect type of deal. So this play that I will always remember, this is what happened. I hike the ball, I get ready to block, and it's a blitz. Now, if you don't know anything about football, let me just make it real simple. The other team, they sent way more guys after our quarterback than we could stop. And so it's like, you got to react quickly. And my first thought, I kid you not, was they're going to kill Nick because Nick was our quarterback and Nick was my friend and I liked Nick. And there was all these huge guys coming after Nick. And I, I promise you, my first thought was they're going to kill him. He's going to get crushed. And so I freaked out. And what I did is I just straight up tackled this dude that was coming through the line, just wrapped him up, took him down. Now, in football, you might know this, you can't do that, right? Like you can't tackle a guy that you can only just kind of block him. So, uh, but that's what I did because I, I freaked out. And so I took him down and, and when I looked up, I saw that one of our guys had caught the ball and was running for a touchdown. And of course, this is what happened because Nick, not only was my fr he my friend, nice guy, he was an incredible athlete. In fact, he played football in college. And so everybody's going crazy. You know, the, our teammates are high-fiving. The crowd is cheering. And this guy's just blazing down the field and everything is awesome until, uh, until this thing hit the field. Yeah. Because I had, I, it was a holding penalty and it was on me. And everybody knew it. And I'm telling you, I cannot remember a time in my life where people were that mad at me. I mean, my team's just, you gotta be kidding, you're so dumb. They were so furious with me. And I will never forget how awful that feeling was. Even to this day, I remember that. I had ruined the play, I had sabotaged my own team. And I wonder if you've ever been there ruined something, sabotaged something. Maybe for you, it was also a sport. You made a basket, just sort of the wrong basket. It happens. Maybe when you were younger, learning how to drive, you sabotaged your parents' car. I did that as well. Maybe you sabotaged Thanksgiving. I mean, your job was to make the sweet potato casserole, and who knew that your great aunt Sally was so passionate that sweet potato casserole would be made this specific way and you ruined Thanksgiving. Maybe you sabotaged a relationship. You know, I bet all of us could tell a story of something that we, we ruined, that we sabotaged. Now, this series that we're in, Gospel Change, uh, this series is all about, well, it's about the gospel. You know, this, this message that God sent us, his son, Jesus, who died in our place 
so that when we trust in him, that we can be forgiven and rescued and restored to God. It's a beautiful truth called the gospel. And the big idea in this series is that when you really understand the gospel, I mean, when you really get it, what God has done for you, that it changes everything in your life. It just, it leads to every aspect of your life being transformed to look more like Jesus. And, and what I want to talk about today is this reality that there are things that can happen that can sabotage the gospel change that God desires to produce in us and around us. And uh, we're going to be spending some time uh, in a book in our New Testament that we call Philippians. And uh, we call it a book. It's actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to believers in the first century living in the Roman city of Philippi. So here's a map to help you out. This is Greece right here, uh, and uh, Philippi is in northern Greece. Now, if you're a history nerd, just a little, this is for free. Philippi is named after Alexander the Great's dad, Philip of Macedon. So there you go. Maybe some trivia game somewhere. You're going to come up with that one. It'll be a huge win for your team. You're welcome. So Philippi, okay, Paul, uh, what he did is he traveled around all these Roman cities and uh, would spend some time there and start, try to start a Jesus community, try to start a church in each of these cities. And so he spent some time in Philippi doing just that. And so a church sprung up, Paul spent a little bit of time with them, and then later he wrote a letter to those believers, and that is the letter that we have in our New Testament called Philippians. Now, uh, something was going on in that church community that was very uh, disruptive and very, very concerning to Paul. And it's part of why he wrote to them. And, and it's this, this issue, this conflict that kind of sets the stage for the whole conversation today about ways that gospel change can be sabotaged. So let me show you just uh, one verse that kind of captures the intensity in the issue. Um, this comes from chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, verse 18. Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. It's like he's saying, look, when I was with you, I, I warned you about this. And now as I'm writing to you, I, I, tears in my eyes because there are people who live as enemies to the gospel, enemies of the cross. There are people who sabotage the gospel work, gospel change. And what is shocking here is that I don't think Paul is talking about people outside the church. He's not talking about people who don't believe and are really against the way of Jesus, and so they're opposing what's happening. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about people who are part of the community, who are believers in Christ. And somehow the way that they're living, the way that they're talking, the way that they're teaching, they are functioning in a way that resists and opposes. They are sabotaging gospel change in the church. And here's the deal about this is that uh, sometimes the worst sabotage comes from within. It comes from within the church. 
And this, this is, I think, really important for our conversation today. Sometimes it comes from within us. I mean, the truth is that some of the greatest resistance that you and I will experience against what God desires to do in and through us and around us is actually right here. It's in our own hearts, and it's in our own minds. It's mindsets that we have. It's patterns that we have, attitudes that we have. Very often, we are the ones who resist and oppose and sometimes even sabotage the work of gospel change that God desires to do in us. And so my hope for today is that you and I would just be able to kind of open up ourselves and just kind of ask the question, okay, where am I doing this? And, and how do I, at times, oppose what God wants to do? And the real hope in this conversation is that the gospel brings life. And the gospel brings joy and peace and purpose. And so if we can identify and address some of the ways that we oppose what God is trying to do, I think we're going to experience greater life and joy and peace and purpose. And so this is the conversation for today. It's about ways that we sabotage uh, gospel change. And so we're going to spend some time in chapter 3 of Philippians, and we're going to discover three ways that gospel change can be sabotaged. And uh, here's the first way right here. Uh, I'm calling it the gospel plus. Now, this is not a new streaming platform, okay? This is not where, you know, oh, you get gospel plus. That's where you can watch The Chosen for free. That's not what this is, okay? It's, think of it more like a math problem, okay? It's like the gospel plus equals that kind of thing. And if you're thoroughly confused, um, hopefully it'll get clear in a few moments. So uh, we've already seen that Paul's got some uh, emotion regarding this issue that's going on in the Philippian church. And now we're going to see that um, I, think he, I think he has some anger as well. He says in verse 2, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. This is intense and a little scary. I mean, it almost sounds like Paul is warning the people about a serial killer loose in Philippi, but that's not what's going on here. I think he's talking about the same group of people that he was talking about in the verse we already looked at. He's talking about people within the church community who are functioning in a way that is opposing the gospel. And uh, Bible scholars have a name for this group of people. Uh, they often call them the Judaizers. Now, the word just means people who live according to Jewish custom. But the Judaizers, what they were, uh, they were Jewish, okay, and they believed in Jesus. And their whole deal was, uh, we believe in Jesus and we're trying to be Jewish by following the law of Moses, uh, by continuing to, you know, be circumcised and that whole, that whole deal about uh, being Jewish. And you might just be going like, okay, well, so they, they wanted to believe in Jesus, and they wanted to keep their traditions, and they wanted to keep their cultural heritage, like, actually kind of seems like a good thing. So what's the big deal? Why is Paul so upset about this? Here's why Paul was so upset. It's because the Judaizers were teaching that you need to trust Jesus to be forgiven, and you need to become Jewish. 
It's like in order to be a real believer, in order to be in, you, yes, you got to believe in Jesus, you got to trust in Jesus, and you have to follow the law of Moses, and you have to be circumcised in order to be saved, in order to be in. And Paul's arguing very strongly here, look, the gospel plus being Jewish is no longer the gospel. It, now it's something else. In fact, Paul, I think he would, he would go so far as to say this, uh, the gospel plus anything is no longer the gospel. That's not the gospel anymore. And so this issue of the Judaizers, this was a big problem, a big issue in the first century church. We see their influence in the book of Acts. We see their influence here in Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we see it in his letter to the Galatians. Um, this was a big problem for Paul. This group of people would sort of follow him around and correct his teaching by saying, no, 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 it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You also have to become Jewish. And people were getting very, very confused, which is why Paul wrote the things that he did. You see, this was a big problem in the early church. And this might surprise you. I think it's a big problem today. And by that, I don't mean we've got Judaizers running around saying, look, you got to believe in Jesus and you got to do these things. Uh, you got to become Jewish. I, I don't think that we have that, but I think we have our own ways of requiring people to add something to the gospel in order to really be in. Because in subtle or not so subtle ways, we can communicate things like, yes, you need to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you need to worship like us. You need to trust Jesus to forgive you, and well, you also need to vote like us. You need to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you also need to interpret the book of Revelation just like we do. You need to trust Jesus, and you need to act like us, and you need to look like us. We have our own ways of adding things to the gospel and requiring people in the ways that we speak, in the way that we act, that they would add something to the gospel in order to truly be in with us. And I think Paul would tell us, look, then it's not the gospel anymore. You've ruined it. Because the gospel is Christ alone. You trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and that's it. You don't, you don't bring anything to the table. So I think this is a challenge for us to, to wrestle with. Because there are things, and often rightfully so, that we care a lot about. You know, if you are a Jesus follower, then you should believe, you know, some of these things. Maybe you should vote this way on that particular issue. And these things might be very true. But I think we need to be wise. I think we need to be careful how we talk about issues that we care about very much and be careful that we don't attach them to the gospel and confuse people, especially people who are exploring faith, especially your kids and your family. Let's be so wise and take Paul's warning here that the gospel plus anything, it's no longer the gospel. So, so Paul is addressing this issue with the believers in uh, 
Philippi. He's, he's challenging these Judaizers, and uh, he continues uh, to write about them and talk about his own uh, views of the gospel. And he says in verse 3, For it is we who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He says, here's the deal. We put all of our confidence, we boast, our confidence in Christ. And we put no confidence in the flesh, which I think is a way of saying we, we put no confidence in our own abilities to earn God's approval. We put all of our confidence in Christ and what he has done. And then he says something very interesting, because he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> it's like, well, if there was a way to win God's approval, I would have a lot of reasons. <laughs> it's like, Paul, what are, you, what are you saying? This is weird. But uh, it brings us to the second conversation, the second way that um, we can sabotage gospel change. And it has to do with your resume, okay? Because Paul says, look, if there's, if there's reasons, if somebody has reasons, I, I've got them. And he goes on and he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, again, uh, their own ability to win God's approval, if someone else thinks they have reasons, I have more. You want to compare? You want to talk credentials? You want to talk religious resume, Paul says? Well, let's do it. Let's talk. Let's compare notes. And now he rattles off, essentially, his, his uh, religious resume. Verse 5, he says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He just runs through this list. You want to talk about, you want to talk about following God perfectly? That's what I've been doing. And he just check, 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 check all the boxes. Keyword, faultless. Paul's like, I've done it all exactly how you're supposed to do it. And he gives us, essentially, his religious resume. So let's talk resumes. Uh, here's a resume. Here we go. You know how these things work, right? It's like you're applying for a job. You send in your resume. And it's essentially a way of going, here's why. Here's why you should hire me. And it just gives all the reasons. And we, Paul's doing this here. He's like, here's why. If, it wa if there was a way to win God's approval with the way that you live, here's my resume. And the thing about resumes is that we all know what they are. We all know what they do. And I think we all, in a way, live as if we have a resume that we would put in front of people and just go, here's why. Here's why you should respect me. Here's why you should like me. Here's why you should uh, affirm me. Here's why you should love me. We all have different ways of doing this. And so I would just ask you, uh, what's on your resume? What would you just go, you know, this, this is what it is about me that I think is a reason why you should approve of me, affirm me, like me, love me, whatever it is. And maybe for you, it's like you're really good at something. Some of you are or were incredible athletes, like my friend Nick, the quarterback. 
Perhaps uh, you're going to have a scholarship to school because you're such a great athlete. Maybe you're incredibly intelligent. Maybe you got a 4.0. Maybe you have a uh, skill that is incredibly valuable in the marketplace, and there are a lot of companies that would love to have you. People pay you really well for what you can do. What is it about you that you just go, okay, here's why. Here's why you should respect me, like me. For some of us, it's the way that, uh, it's the way that you look. If people notice you, eyes follow you, people want to look like you. What's on your resume? Maybe it's an achievement. It's like, I, I built a business. I, I'm successful. I've made a lot of money. People respect me. I'm a leader. You see, we do this. We, we all have different things in our lives that we would point to and just go, okay, I'm not going to say it outright, but here's why I'm valuable. Here's why I'm worthy of your attention. We do this with people, and what Paul is getting at is we do this we do this with God. It's the same deal. It's like, well, I'm, I'm a really good person. <laughs> I try to be nice. I'm, I'm very kind. I'm a good listener. I'm, I'm, I'm gracious. I volunteer. I'm a, I'm a very moral person. I actually try to do the right thing. I actually try to follow all of the guidelines that God gives in Scripture. I really care about doing what's right. And so that's, that's why. Maybe it's, maybe it's the Bible. I mean, that's a lot of us who, who are believers. It's like, look, I, I really care about the Bible. And, I, and every day I read it, I study it, I'm trying to understand it. Uh, some verses I even memorize. And, and you would just go, it's my, it's my respect for the scriptures. That's, that's why. And we have these ways that we go, God, this is, this is why you should accept me. This is why I'm worthy of your grace. This, this is why you should love me. You see, we, we all do this in different ways, either with people or with God. We all have different things in our lives that we go, this is why. Now, Paul brings up his resume. He's pretty intense about it. And then uh, he wants to, tell you, wants to tell us what he thinks about his resume. So in verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever was in the positive column, it's now in the negative. Whatever was a pro, it's now a con. Paul's like, all the different things that I had going for me, it's all a loss. And he goes on and he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says, I consider them garbage, trash. So uh, hold on just a second, I'll be right back. I brought some trash. I mean, why not, right? Paul says, look, that list I gave you, that resume, all the things I had done right, it's all trash. It's all garbage compared, compared to knowing Jesus. 
And I think this is important because it's not just that Paul had done all these things the right way. Paul was a big deal in Jewish society. I mean, he was a Pharisee. He was kind of like top shelf in terms of prestige in his culture. Paul was apprenticed to like the premier religious teacher in all of Israel. Paul was a big deal. And he just goes, compared to knowing Jesus, it's, it's all garbage. It just, it's just... It's just trash. And there's another aspect of this too, where he says, uh, in relation to God, as in how worthy I am of God's approval and affection and love, all the things that I've done, all the boxes that I've checked, he just goes, it is of no value in coming to that relationship. It gets me nowhere, it's all trash. And so Paul, I think would challenge us by just saying, look, your credentials, your awards, your titles, your net worth, all of it, it's really not worth much. And all the things that you have done to demonstrate how worthy you are and how, how, how much you deserve God's approval and affection, he just goes, it's actually worthless in that conversation. And Paul, what he's trying to say here is just, well, this, let's put it this way. It's not what I do, it's what he has done. We just have to understand the gospel, what it means is that there is nothing that you and I can do that we would bring to the table with God that he would go, oh, yes, you are so worthy of my grace. No, it's all worthless. We are all so undeserving. It's not what we do. It's not what we bring to the table. It's all about what he has done and what he brought to the table through his son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, maybe another way to say it is just this. The gospel plus your resume, it's not the gospel. If you're sort of clinging in some way to, no, 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 this is what makes me worthy. No, 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 this this is why I deserve. It's no longer the gospel. Because the gospel fundamentally is I am unworthy. I am undeserving. And Jesus gave his life for me anyway. Because he's so good. And just because he loves me and wanted to forgive me and restore me. And so when we try to attach something that we bring to the table to the gospel, it's not the gospel anymore. Now we're trying to earn something. And and what is so challenging here is just that there is just something in us as fallen human beings. There is just this gravitational pull of the human heart that says, no, actually, we forget. We forget that it's all about grace, and we, we continue to show up with, with our resume and go, you know, yeah, but here's the reason why I'm worthy. And I think essentially what Paul is trying to say is take that resume and put it in the garbage. And just, just rest in the fact that it's a gift and that you and I bring nothing, and he brings everything. The gospel plus your resume, it's no longer the gospel. It's all about trusting in his grace and recognizing I bring nothing. 
So that's how Paul talks about his resume. That's how he challenges us in this issue. And it is just important because our resume can sabotage the gospel change that God desires to produce in us. And so Paul lays this all out, and then he tells us how he kind of deals with this, practically speaking. He says, but one thing I do, and I'm down in verse 13, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul Paul says uh, he's forgetting what is behind him. He's forgetting that resume. He's forgetting where he's been, and he's straining forward. He's so focused on the future, so focused on what God is calling him to. But this deal about forgetting what is behind, I think, is really important. I think it's really important for us, and I think it was, it was really important for Paul as well, because the truth is there's something else that can sabotage gospel change in, there's, in your life. There's something else that can cause us to resist and oppose what God wants us to do, and, it's, and it is your past. And so let's talk about how Paul speaks of the past and what he calls these Philippian believers to do with their past. Paul says he's forgetting what is behind, and it's an active word. I I get the sense that he has to do this every day, forgetting what is behind. I'm straining toward what is ahead. Question, what did Paul need to forget? Because all that good stuff in his past, how devoted he was to God, what, what would Paul need to forget? And I think he's already told us. That resume, remember that? It's like Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, you know, a Pharisee. And then there was this line. Did you catch this? And as for zeal, persecuting the church. See, when we first meet Paul in the scriptures, he goes by Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was doing everything that he could to crush the Jesus movement. He believed that Jesus was a fraud. And so he was fighting against the way of Jesus. He arrested people. He confiscated property. Saul of Tarsus killed people. He was responsible for the death of at least one Jesus follower. And then there is this moment in his life where Jesus appeared to him and revealed to him, look, You're wrong. I'm real. And and Paul realized how wrong he had been. And I just wonder, how did he live with that? He had killed a Jesus follower. How How do you move forward from that? Yeah, I think Paul had some things in his past that he regretted, some things that he he needed to forget so that he could move forward. That's Paul. What about you? I wonder what's in your past that you regret that might be keeping you from what God really desires to do in you. I wonder if like Paul that there is a mistake, a failure in your past that just haunts you. I wonder if there's something in your past, it's not what you did, but something that was done to you. And the truth is that you are just not the same person that you were 
before that happened. I wonder if maybe there's not an event, but like a season of your life where you were just making a bunch of bad decisions. And what happened in that season is you alienated people that you really care about. And you're not the same person that you were, but those relationships are still broken. And so I just wonder, what's in your past that you really regret? And I think something that happens to us is that there, there, there can be this thing where there's some stuff in our past that's so bad that we just have this idea that that was so bad, now I need to be so good to make up for that. And we have a phrase for this. It's like, I need to be so good so I can atone for my past. And I just need to remind you that if you have placed your, fa your faith in Christ, your past has already been atoned for. And you're already forgiven. And don't let your past keep you from what God desires to do in you. It, because you just might be going, well, I'm not worthy. I'm just, I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not, I'm not worthy of his blessing, of his grace. And you know what? That is true. None of us are worthy. None of us deserve his love and his grace. But he gives it to us anyway. So don't let your past sabotage the gospel change that God desires to do in you. Don't let your past define you. I invite the gospel to define you. So Paul needed to forget, I think, some, some bad mistakes in his past. But you know, I, there's something else to this too. Because, you know, he's got all that good stuff in his past, all these things that he did to try to honor God. And the truth is, I think that a bad past can sabotage gospel change, and I also think that a very good past can sabotage gospel change. And I think this is incredibly relevant to a lot of us. Because for many of us, our story is kind of like, well, I was you know, raised by Christian parents, I grew up in the church, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I went through catechism, I went to Christian school, and we just got all this stuff. It's kind of like Paul, where it's like, check the box, check the box, check the box. I've got all this Jesus-oriented kind of stuff in my past, and it can kind of lead to this attitude that's like, well, I think I'm good. I think, I've, I think I've done the Jesus thing. Like, I, I've done all that stuff. And we can allow our past to justify us. We, we believe that, well, my past kind of justifies me. And listen, I get this because that's my story. My grandpa was a pastor. I think I may have been born in the church nursery. I mean, it's just always at church. We, we even did Sunday night church. Anybody remember that? I mean, two times. I, we, Wednesdays, I went to this thing called Awana. Anybody know what this is? All right. They put a vest on you. You memorize verses. You tell them the verse. And then they put jewels on the vest. I know it sounds like a cult. It was not. It was, it was good. I learned a lot of scripture. I went to youth group. I went to mission trips. I went to summer camp, Christian summer camp every week. I went to DC talk concerts. I mean, I did it all. Check, check, check. All the boxes. And it can just lead to this mentality that's like, well, I, you know, I, I, I did all those things, and so I think I'm, I think I'm good. And, uh, and we allow our past to kind of justify us. And the problem with this 
And this is how I think a, a really good Christian past can sabotage gospel change. The problem with this is that the point of the gospel is to transform us. And what God desires to do through the gospel is change you, that every aspect of your life would look more like Jesus. And if that's the point, relying on your past to just go, yeah, I think I'm good, we're missing it. We're missing the points. And so a very good past can sabotage the gospel change that God desires to do in you. And so Paul just tells us, look, I, I'm forgetting what is behind. And I think he's talking about the good and the bad. And I'm straining forward to this thing that God is calling me to. I'm, I'm straining heavenward. And then he gives us, and this will be the last uh, scripture I want to show you. He gives us this verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. And I love this image. He just says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. And by attained, we know from what we've been looking at here, we're not talking about our own achievements, the, you know, our own past, all the good things that we have. No, he's talking about what we have been given in Christ through the gospel. Just only let us live up to that. Because according to the gospel, you are forgiven you are now pure, you are now loved, you are now secure, you are now treasured, all these things. That is your Christ-given identity when you place your faith in Christ. And so Paul just says, whether you got a really bad past or a really good past, just live up to that identity. And it reminds me of this uh, image we've been using throughout the series, right? The ladder. It's like, okay, how does God see you? Well, in Christ, he sees you at the very top of the ladder. That's where he's, how he sees you, because he has gifted you with the goodness of Christ. And you might go, well, I behave down here, or my past is down here. And the message here is just live up to what you have already attained. Just live up to the identity that you have been gifted in Christ. And don't let your past define you. Instead, let the gospel define you. And so the challenge I would give you is this. Bring that Christ-given, gospel-oriented identity, bring that to each day. Bring that identity to each relationship in your life. Bring that identity to every opportunity and every challenge and every emotion that you experience. Bring that Christ-given, gospel-oriented identity to your work, to your family, to your school. Bring that with you because that is who you are. Paul says, live up to what you have already attained. Live out what you already have. Don't let your past define you. Invite the gospel to define you. So let's wrap up with this oh, terrible memory I have. Football. Mid-90s, the penalty flag, touchdown erased, points off the board, march back 10 yards, my team is furious with me. Just so that you can sleep tonight, we won the game, okay, it was all right. I wasn't very good, my team was fantastic. But, uh, you know, we do this. Um, we have intentionally, unintentionally, we all have uh, messed things up. We've all sabotaged some things. And there are times in our lives when we do this with the gospel. We do this with the change, the gospel change that God desires to uh, create in us. 
And ways that we do this is we add things to the gospel. We, we do this by adding our resume to the gospel. And we do this by allowing our past to define us more than our identity in Christ. And let me just close with one word. And I think it's an important word for right now, and it's the word grace. I just want to remind you that this whole deal, the gospel, it's a free gift. And God just is offering it to you. And I want to remind you of that word because when we talk about ways that we oppose the gospel, ways that we resist, it's possible that you just might be going, yeah, I'm blowing it. I'm just, I'm messing up and I'm just not doing this right. And you know what? Maybe you are messing up, but let me remind you of grace. Because I think the invitation here is to identify some of the ways that we're resisting what God desires to do, address them, but then return to grace and trust and just understand that you are loved you are treasured. Two fundamental truths about the gospel. It's worse than you thought. You're more broken, you're more messed up, you're more sinful than, you, than you'd ever want to admit. And the second truth is it's just so much better than you can imagine. Through the cross, he, he loves you, you are forgiven, you are pure. It's just so much better than you could imagine. And so the invitation is to return with trust to his grace. So let me pray for you as we close out. Heavenly Father, uh, it's just so good for us to pause our busy lives and reflect on your grace and your gospel that redefines everything, that's going to remake the world, that is reshaping us, that one day will completely and fully transform us, God, it's so important for us to anchor our lives in your gospel, and yet so hard for us to stay focused on that. So God, would you meet us in that tension? Would you empower us to trust you? Would you remind us of your goodness and your love? And God, would you help us to trust in your grace alone? God, we love you. So grateful for Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here. So great to open the scriptures with you. Uh, Pastor Jeff will be with us next week, so uh, we'll see you next time.